Awesome Podcast. Toot toot. Well, we've been getting a bunch of mail, and we've got this big bag. We call it the mail bag, and it is overflowing, and it's just a task that we keep kicking down the road. Tonight, we're going to open up this mail and read it. Yeah, at some point, people started uh, writing into us to get advice from us, because I guess we seem like very successful, thoughtful people. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at some of the dates on these letters, and they're, they're, some of them are over a year old. I hope that none of these needed uh, some, you know, urgent, spur-of-the-moment advice, because uh, we're, we're getting to it kind of late. Well, if somebody has an emergency advice situation, they just, they ask Jeeves. You know, they don't ask us. He's more instant. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You pull up uh, America's favorite search engine, Ask Jeeves, and that'll tell you everything you need to know. He's a butler. Come on. I can't wait to get into this mailbag, so we're not going to waste any more time. Let's do it. Tonight is the advice column episode. We're getting into the old mailbag. Why aren't you reaching that old sack, Big Al? What's the first one? Yeah, I got a letter here. Looks pretty good. Uh, It says, Dear Big Al and Possum, I am one of the top-rated race car drivers in the world. Ooh, and listens to our show. Hmm, Okay. Mm. I've won all the big prizes and trophies for racing. But lately, I've lost my edge and can't seem to pull away from the pack or get on the inside track. Mm. What advice can Big Howl and Possum give me to get my head back in the race? Signed, Famous Race Car Driver. That's a great question. That is a great question. And uh, and, uh, I think you've come to the right place for some advice on success. What I would suggest to Famous Race Car Driver is first thing, you got to make sure those tires are pumped up. Oh, yeah. You can't have no mushy tires. You can't have a, just a sack of rubber with mashed potatoes in there. You need hard rubber for the road. You need hard rubber for the road. If you're going to keep your edge out there on the track, you can't be lumping along on some soggy tires. Mm-hmm. That's advice number one. Oh, Second yeah. piece of advice I'd like to offer this race car driver is make sure... You're getting a regular oil change on your car. Oh, yeah. Your car is like your second pair of legs. It's almost an extension of your physical body. And you got to take care of your physical body, and you got to take care of your car. Mm -hmm. So make sure you get that regular tune-up. And your car doesn't have a heart to pump its blood, which is Earl, through its body. So you might want to change the Earl every day. As what I say is, it's never too early to change the Earl. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, if you have nothing else going on in your life like Mr. Possum, then yes, you could change the oil uh, every day, I suppose. My oil's so clean, I could put it on a skillet and cook some eggs. Of course, if you're a professional race car driver, you might actually be doing 3,000 miles every day. So, in that case, uh, you know, forget what I said. Well, that's so bad for your car, though. D- doing that many miles? Oh, maybe that's his problem. Maybe he needs to... Cut back on the amount of miles he's doing. Right, he needs to be easier on the vehicle. He's spreading himself a little thin on the track. And the last little bit of advice I'd offer this guy is put the dang phone away. You know what I'm saying, Mr. Possum? Oh, yes. That's a personal pet peeve of mine. Nowadays, you're driving along, and you see somebody sitting at a stoplight, and they got their dang phone out. And you're like... Can you just focus on one thing at a time? He's probably looking at his phone. You know, Twitter can wait. Text messages can wait. Email can wait. Focus on the race. Yeah, you got a race to win, idiot. Uh, Mr. Possum, it looks like you've got a, uh, a nice, fresh, juicy letter there to read. This one's to both of us. Oh, boy. It says, Dear Big Hal and Possum, My wife and I are growing apart. When we got married, we had all sorts of stuff in common, but now it's like I don't even know this person. Signed, Sad Old Ronnie. Sad Old Ronnie. I feel like I've grown apart from him. I don't like people that refer to themselves as sad. Right. Well, Ronnie, let me tell you. Sometimes spouses grow apart. I know how this goes. What you got to do is you got to crawl out from under her porch, walk up them steps, put on your hat, press that doorbell, and when she comes to the door, you introduce yourself and you say, I'm your husband and we need to speak. Mm-hmm. And then things, if it's like my life, she'll scream and run away. But, Ronnie, I got a feeling this might just work for you. Okay. Uh, Mr. Possum, I, I don't... I don't think you should be assuming that Ronnie has the same situation that you have, which is that you consider yourself married to the woman whose porch you live under. He probably already lives in the house. He probably has already spent time with this woman. He probably had a wedding, probably had a honeymoon. They probably had years and years of, of quality time spent together where they were able to look each other in the face and they spoke the same language and they're the same species of, uh, of animal. You think so? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. That's what I would guess from the context clues here. Well, I mean, you told me when I had my troubles that uh, you said, oh, I bet you like this happens to lots of guys. And, you know, was that just talk? Well, it happens to lots of guys like you. Doesn't happen to guys like sad old Ronnie, I I don't think. I'm sadder than Ronnie. Well, yeah, but that's a given. Nature is an awful thing to look at when when you do look at it. But with Ronnie's case, I think... What he's experiencing is just uh, is just regular the, sort of the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys of uh, of marriage. Okay. And uh, and I, I, what I'll say is, um, why should you be happier than everybody else? That's the advice I'll give him. Maybe Ronnie needs to spice up things by doing something adventurous in the bedroom. Maybe you dress up like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, something like that. Yeah. And say, hey, who's in the mood for s'mores? Great idea.
Dear Big Howlin' Possum, I work at a big, well-known department store. Our store is celebrated for our high-end fashion and our fantastic window displays. You'd think I'd be the happiest retail employee in the world with such a prestigious job. But unfortunately, I have fallen in love with one of the mannequins. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. You see, late at night when the store closes and no one is around, she gets about 20 degrees warmer and her skin softens up just a little bit. She doesn't quite come alive exactly, but it's close. What should I do? Signed, Mannequin Lover. Mm. Now, I've heard of this happening before in an instance where the mannequin actually fully became a, a, a human woman sure. after hours at the store. And that's a real conundrum there because, uh, you know, nobody's going to believe you if the minute any other person is around, she becomes a mannequin. And mm. people, you know, are just going to think that you're some kind of weirdo that likes to hang out with inanimate objects in that way, you know. In this instance, what you've got is more like you just sort of microwaved a mannequin for about 20 seconds. And I have to say, I think you might actually just be a weirdo who hangs out with inanimate objects in that way. I'm not sure the change that's happening is strong enough to justify the love that you're expressing, is, is my point. I think that this, the writer of this letter, what was his name again? Mannequin Lover. Mannequin lover. Mm. I think he's leaving out some crucial details, and I can't help unless I know all the details. I think we've got a wax museum situation. I think he works at a place where there's wax figures, waxies. Now, yeah. they, if you turn off the air conditioning at night, they will warm up a little bit. They'll get a little softer, Big Al. They're made out of wax. I see. I see. Okay, so you think he's uh, ascribing a sort of supernatural phenomenon to what is really just uh, the most mundane aspect of working at a place that uses wax figures. Right. He fell in love with a hunk of wax. Now, I would understand if he fell in love with a mannequin who turned into a real woman. That's tight. I could, I've got advice for that. Now, wait, what is your advice for that? Spend every minute with her that you can mm -hmm. because she's magical and you never know when that magic is going to run out. What if, in this instance, Mannequin Lover is actually experiencing a magical phenomenon? What if this mannequin is actually magical? And what if she has feelings that go the other way, but the magic is not strong enough to actually give her, like, you know, tendons that can move her mouth and she can talk and blink and that kind of stuff? Do you think that magic is not worth pursuing? Correct. I think if the mannequin don't come all the way alive, it wasn't meant to be. Sounds like she don't really want to talk to him. Sounds like she's kind of staying halfway warm, if she's not wax. Right. She's kind of getting halfway warm and waiting for somebody cooler to come along. Yes, that could be it. Mannequin lover could be not quite good enough for the good magic. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's important. I think it's important to know in instances where you're not good enough for the magical scenario to happen. It's important for you to just walk away or at least bow your head and kind of accept your role. Mr. Possum, what's the next question? Ooh, this one's just to me. Okay. Ooh, it smells good. It's a good smelling letter. I guess someone has a I guess someone has a question about how to, I don't know, eat 
grubs and trash. Uh, so let's see what this one is. Hmm. All right, I'm going to open it up. Dear Possum, I'm so out of shape. You have a great figure. How do you stay in such good shape? Signed, Flabby in Canada. Hmm. Well, hmm. hi, Flabby. It's me. First, this is easy to stay in shape. Cardio, baby. You run around in the streets at night. Constantly. Don't stop. Drink a puddle. A little bit. For no more than ten seconds. But you gotta stay moving. Also, keep that heart pumping while you sleep by giving yourself nightmares. There's all sorts of ways to do it. My trick is I eat cured meats and I drink lots of pickle juice before bed. That way, you're getting exercise while you sleep. Okay. Now, I I just want to bring something up here. Okay. Uh, it's just to me though, so he doesn't want your advice. So, but go ahead. Mm, I don't want to get into a spitting match here, or uh, or some kind of. Um, competition with you, Mr. Possum. Mm -hmm. And I think that all was good advice. That that all sounds sounds right to me. Sounds dead on. But I'm I'm curious why someone would write specific looking at the two of us, why would somebody write in to you and not me about how to be in shape? That's a question I have for Flabby in Canada. What what are you saying about me that you didn't include me in this letter? You know what you should do, Big Al? What's that? You should get a nice piece of paper and a, pe and a pen or a pencil or a crayon, whatever. Whatever you got around. Yeah. And you go ahead and write Flabby in Canada a letter and you ask him. And then you can be pen pals with this guy. I don't think he wants to be pen pals with me. I think he would just rather get some exercise advice from a creature of the ground and the night like yourself. For some reason. I, some reason I don't understand. Maybe he's a possum as well. Maybe. Now, Mr. Possum, if Flabby is, in fact, a possum, are you jealous that Flabby has a name and you don't? Gosh, kind of. I mean, if I did have a name, Flabby would be near the top of the list of names to have. I would also go with Chunky, Chewy. These are, are all cute. Names. These are all really cute possum names. Can we call you Chunky? I like Chunky. I like Chunky a lot. And we could dress you up like Chucky from Child's Play. No. And call you Chunky. No one likes Chucky. No one's happy to see Chucky. People would love to see Chunky. Oh, it's Chunky, and he's got a boombox. He's so big, but look how flexible he is. I'd be like Rerun. Why don't you rip open that next envelope, Big Howl? All right, here we go. Dear Big Howl and Possum. So this uh, is to both of us, mm. yeah, which, is, which is cool. I like it. My husband is a good man. He works hard and provides for our family, and he's always put us before his own wants and needs. The problem is he won't stop growing. Mm. He just keeps getting taller, even though we've asked him to stop. He's almost eight feet tall and still going strong. He can't stand up in the basement anymore. How do I get my hubby to stop growing? 
Signed, Normal Height Wife. Interesting. That is interesting. This guy just won't quit growing. I'm curious as to what he thinks he's doing. Uh, I certainly would not want to be eight feet tall. I mean, I understand the appeal of being a tall guy. I get it. You know, it's a, it makes you more powerful. You can do things other guys can't do. Mm-hmm. You're better at basketball, for instance. But when does it stop? Yeah, you got to draw the line somewhere. And I would draw the line at not being able to fit into my bed anymore or stand up in my billiard room. I think maybe he's just got too many interests that are up in the air. Oh. And he needs a few more interests that are low to the ground. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a man needs to be reminded of where the good stuff is. Right. And his wife is lower to the ground than him, and he needs to be reminded that the good, some of the good stuff is down there. So maybe when you're putting out his pickle juice and cured meats for bed, maybe you put those low to the ground so he's got to stoop down to get them. Yes. I like that. You got to keep him grounded. Maybe lay out a puzzle on the floor and say, <laughs> let's do a puzzle together. He'll have a real hard time because even on his knees or, you know, sitting uh, crisscross applesauce, he's still, his head's going to be so far from the puzzle that it's going to be very hard for him to do it. Mr. Possum, it looks like you got something to read right there in your hands. Mm-hmm. This one's to both of us. All right. Dear Big Hal and Possum, I hate my teenage son. He acts like a butt, and he don't respect me at all. Signed, Philip. He's not supposed to put their real name. They're supposed to put right. playful stuff, like pathetic and Detroit or something like that. But He probably wants his son to hear it and know who he is. That's true. Well, I've got advice for old Philip. Philip, have you tried being a Batman at all? I mean, a teenage boy would really look up to you. If you was Batman. Hmm. Interesting. You'd have more money. You'd be stronger. You'd have six-pack abs. And you could use gadgets to dominate him. He tries to get out when he's been grounded. Oh, grappling hook right around him. Right. So you think a teenage boy would still be obsessed with Batman if Batman was primarily focused on keeping him grounded with gadgets? Yeah. I do. I think. Okay. I think even though the Joker doesn't like Batman, I think he respects him. Ah, you're the first person to bring that up. I think that the 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 complicated relationship between Batman and the Joker. Not a lot of people have thought about that a whole bunch. He makes his teenage son the arch villain in his little Batman universe. Right. And that makes his son feel important because his dad's constantly trying to beat him up. Uh, I'm not sure that it's possible to not hate your teenage son. Um, it's almost it's it's one of the worst kinds of guys to be is a teenage son. It's right up there with middle aged guy and the old guy uh, in in terms of bad things you can be. You're right. Your choice is here. If you listen to Possum. Devote your life to becoming the Batman. If you're listening to me, what I would say is lower your standards of what you expect out of life. You're not going to get a teenage son that you don't kind of hate, you know? Yes, but while you're busy hating him, you could put on armor and throw smoke bombs at him.
Big L, what's the next letter say? Well, here's one I just pulled out, and it's uh, the you can see the envelope's a little yellowed and faded, mm. and uh, the paper's just a uh, paper's a little old. Uh, I think this one came to us maybe a year or so ago. Okay, and it says, "Dear Big Hal, I am in a high stakes hand of poker with a powerful underworld figure. So if you could tell me what to do here in a timely fashion, that would help a lot." Uh oh. I have a pair of sixes with a jack high in my hand, and the guy is staring at me and grinning. Not sure I can cover what I would owe if I lost this one. Please respond quickly. Signed, Da Poker Ace. All right. Oh, boy. I feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure this was the best way to do this in the first place. You know, not to rub some salt in your wounds there, but... um, Yes. Even if we was on time, it would have taken a while. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop feeling bad about it. I'm hoping that this all turned out well. I'm hoping that this person went all in with a pair of sixes, and it turned out that the uh, other guy had a pair of fives and for some reason was grinning at him with a pair of fives. That's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping happened. It doesn't sound likely, but you know what else doesn't sound likely is someone getting out a, a piece of paper and a pen and writing a letter to someone in the middle of a high-stakes, late-night, underground game of poker. Yeah, that sounds a little wacky. Sounds weird. If you were able to write this letter to us, why didn't you just pull your phone out and look up whether the odds are good that you're going to win with a pair of sixes when you're playing against an underworld figure? Mm-hmm. Well, they probably let him do it because they knew it was useless. You know, if he pulled out his phone and tried to look up something, they'd be like, hey, what are you doing? But if he's like, I have to go mail a letter, they're going to be like, okay. Maybe they had discovered that writing a letter was this guy's tell. And so they were letting him do it. You know, they were like, oh, okay. He's only got a pair of sixes. Right. That's his, that, when he writes a letter, that's his tell. Well, this guy's hopeless. I I mean, I don't know what to tell him. I mean, I could give, we could have a whole radio show just about me explaining poker. It's not that I don't know poker. I mean, I'm a guy, you know, I'm a guy's dad. Yeah. But in his case, it's just a waste of poker advice. Yeah. I, I I think this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I don't think he should be calling himself to Poker Ace. Mm-mm. I think he's more like to Poker Two. Yeah. Mr. Possum, I think you've got a letter there in your hands that you'd like to read to us. Yeah, I've got, I've got one, and this one is just to me. Oh. Interesting. Smells smoky, also with a little bit of cologne. All right, dear Possum, I've been having a lot of trouble with home security. I like to leave my pies cooling on the windowsill, and every time somebody comes and steals it, every time, what should I do? Signed, Pie Guy. Hmm. Pie Guy sounds cool, I think. He sounds all right. Pie Guy, I got advice for you. Don't let them burglars change your life. 
The windowsill is simply the best place to let a pie cool. We can all agree on that. So here's what you do. Make two pies. When the first one gets stolen, because that's what's going to happen, then you can have the second pie. Mm. Uh, That's your advice? Yes. Double the amount of time spent making pies. Yes. Okay. If you're asking Pie Guy to go ahead and make two pies every time Pie Guy wants a pie, what's to stop somebody else from realizing this scheme is going on? And stealing the other pie, meaning that pie guy's doing twice the work and reaping zero percent of the benefits. Well, then I would expect a second letter from pie guy saying, hey, possum, I took your advice. I made two pies. The first one went on the windowsill and got stolen. The second one went out there and got stolen. What should I do? And then I'd say, pie guy, make a third one. I'm hungry. Okay. I mean... The people outside are hungry. You're just turning Pie Guy into a pie factory, basically. Well, it's not a pie factory. It's a pie shack. This is supply meets demand. Now, Pie Guy didn't ask me for advice on this. Uh, But if he did, what I would tell him is to dig a pit underneath his window Mm -hmm. and uh, put spikes at the bottom of it Mm -hmm. and then cover it with, like, kind of cover it with, with a little bit of grass and brush so that it's not visible to any uh, any any you know criminal elements sneaking up to his window to steal his pie. Mm-hmm. That way, when someone tries to steal the one pie that your wife made, uh, they fall into a spiked pit, and it and it hurts them. That's what I would say. I would say that the punishment should fit the crime. I mean, a little bit. I mean. Putting somebody in a pit with spikes in it just because they want some pie seems a little harsh. Yeah, well, it, it's what's going to have to happen if Mr. Possum keeps stealing Pie Guy's pies. I knew you wrote that letter. I knew okay. it. All right. Yeah, I did I knew write you was Pie Guy. Yeah. As soon as I smelt that mesquite cologne, I knew it was you. Big Hal, what's the next letter? All right, this one's uh, addressed to both of us. And it says, Dear Big Hal and Possum, I am a timid bank clerk who recently discovered a magical mask containing the spirit of the Norse god Loki. When I put the mask on, I become a supernatural playboy exuding charm and confidence, but guided by greed and erotic desire. Instead of a loser with no clearly defined goals or interests. What should I do? And then it's signed, the guy from the movie, The Mask. Cool. High profile. Yeah. That's a great question from a very, very famous guy. Uh, And I have to say, I'm not sure what the problem is. Sounds like all of the problems in your life have suddenly been solved by a magical mask. I would love it if a magical mask fell into my hands that made me into a supernatural playboy. Yeah, I wouldn't have any problem with it either. It sounds like a a whiner. 
I mean, it's almost like he's he's screaming at the world. Somebody, somebody, make me quit. Right, he's going, ah, somebody, I need to stop doing this. And it won't be me. I'll say, don't make him stop this. We have one letter left. Mr. Possum's going to read it now. Well, buddy, I, I know this upsets you, but it's it's just written to me. Oh, well, then I'm going to leave. I, okay. I'm done. Okay, see ya. Dear Possum, my mouth is so dry. Always. No matter what I do, my tongue sticks to my teeth and the roof of my mouth. P.S. I'm a mummy. Signed, Tutankhamen. Well, toot toot, Tutankhamen. I do understand a dry mouth, I really do, and I know why you wrote to me. I've been an advocate of wet mouth for many years. But there's a whole separate type of advice if you're a mummy. If you wasn't a mummy, I'd say keep hard candies and lozenges and gum around to keep your mouth wet and drink lots of sauce. But you being a mummy, this is a whole different animal. It becomes kind of a good news, bad news situation. The bad news is you're stuck with your dry mouth. The good news is you're a mummy, and that's awesome. You're an eternal scary king with all sorts of mystical powers. If a mummy gets his mouth wet, the whole body gets wet. And the careful preservation that made you a mummy in the first place goes right down the toilet. You turn stinky and moist, and you mold right to high heaven. It's not worth it. There's nothing you can do. You can try to chew gum, but it's going to be useless without saliva. It would be like mashing a stick of gum between the pages of an old book. I say, mummy, embrace your dryness. It's all you have. Some podcast. Toot toot.